Let's open our Bibles. If I do, we're going to be here for a long time today. That's the real problem. Let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter number 3. We've been talking about going back to the basics. I like basics. I, uh, you look and you go, hmm, the basics. Um, so exciting. There, uh, there are many ideas today about what it means to be a Christian, and even more when it comes to the church. What does a New Testament church look like? What uh, does a New Testament uh, uh, church, or how do we compare? Uh, how do uh, how do do you uh, um, how do you personally compare? How do we uh, do we fit the bill when it comes to being a a New Testament fellowship of believers? Are we a church like the early church, living under the authority of Scripture, whose members are filled with the Spirit of God, bringing others to a saving knowledge of our Savior? See, it's time to get back to the basics. Uh, we uh, so as we look in Acts chapter number three, in chapter number one, we read about preparation—that is, preparation on the part of the church to experience the power of God to fall upon the church. And uh, those uh, early, the early church prayed themselves into one accord. Before unity came, becomes prayer. You ask what kind of prayer? Well, for starters, prayer for ourselves, uh, for God to do a work that's within us. God, may you begin the work in me. God, that you would change my heart and change my life. And uh, that uh, you would do a work in us. Praying, oh God, make me more like Jesus. Make me a little more like Jesus. Create in me a clean heart. Give me a desire to love like you, forgive like you, be like you, Lord Jesus. Are we praying like that in these days? God, move me. Change me. Are we asking God to do a, a work in us so that, that he'll do a work through us? God, I want you to work in me that you would do a work through me. See, when God does a work in us, we're about to see gathering for worship becomes very natural. When God does a work in us, giving is an act of worship will become very natural. In fact, the man that, uh, that we're going to read about today was touched by Jesus for that reason. You couldn't keep him from worship. That's the exciting part of Acts chapter 3. Some folks you just can't keep out of worship. And when God's moving, you just can't keep them out. I, I promise you, that, that's the easy way to, to put it, when God begins to, make, to move. And in fact, this man that we're going to read about today was touched by Jesus for that reason. You couldn't keep him from worship. You couldn't keep him from the fellowship with other believers. And how different from today. There's something wrong when you have to beg, plead, and prod people, believers, to come to church. See, when, when man's life has been touched by Jesus, we, we don't have to push or, or prod. So in chapter 1, the people were praying themselves into one. Chapter 2 is about the power of the Holy Spirit and, and uh, in the lives of the church membership. And as the early church turned from their sin, filled with the Holy Spirit, thousands came to Christ. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't it be fun to see the, the doors change immediately and, the, and all of a sudden you kick things wide open? Wouldn't it be fun? I can't help but go, I, I can't imagine how exciting Acts chapter 2 was. I mean, I can read it and I get excited. I have to be honest. I can't read Acts chapter 2 without a certain excitement coming over this preacher. Because I look and I go, 3,000 souls come to know Jesus as Savior. I've seen a lot of people come to know Jesus as Savior, but I don't know if I've had the privilege to see 3,000. And I know that I've never seen 3,000 in one setting. I haven't had that privilege. 
And I, I look and I go, can you, I just, I can't imagine that without just the, the excitement. How many folks delivered from their sin? And sometimes I, I think that we're waiting for God to do something when the truth of the matter is that God is waiting on us to do something. He's waiting for us, namely to come clean and become filled with the Holy Spirit. See, when you come to chapter chapter 3, the church is in full swing. The membership was rejoicing as they were uh, busy sharing Jesus. They those the, they came into contact with people that uh, uh, that are committed to sharing Jesus. They're not caught up with politics or agendas. They're, uh, and by the way, you, you look and you go, there they are. Uh, soul winners are not troublemakers in the church. I can say that real real quick. But no wonder the early church was in one accord. They were focused on, on others rather than themselves. The early church was a soul winning church. As they got saved, they became witnesses. That's the New Testament way. It, uh, it's really kind of interesting. I saw a t-shirt that describes the average Christian. It says, I, become, I comes before you. That's a far cry from what Paul told the church in Corinth, in, in, Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 10 when he said, Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. See, in chapter 3, we read about a, a cripple who stirred up a commotion at church one day. In fact, he got the preachers in trouble. I think that's just kind of a funny statement. But the city in an uproar and Peter and John forbidden to preach. How would you like to have all that take place? Woo! I say, bring it on. Let's go. The church had a prayer meeting that ended in an earthquake and it all happened because this cripple got saved and healed and was found dancing in the church house. You go, nah, chapter 3, verse number 1. Let's begin reading together. It says, Now Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which was called Beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms. Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took upon him, he, and he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered in with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. I love that picture. Because you look and you say, here they are together. Those two don't usually run together, Peter and John. Let's make sure we get that out there before we get very far. You look and you go, 
wait a minute, we read about praying saints, and kind of strange to find Peter and John together here. They didn't normally do so. It was usually Peter and Andrew and then James and John. You, uh, but not Peter and John. It, it wasn't that they didn't care for one or the other. They were just very different. Peter was, was a doer and John was a dreamer. But because they both loved Jesus and because they both were filled with the Holy Spirit, because they, they had a common goal of winning souls to Jesus, they could go together. They went together. And Amos 3.3, can two walk together unless they be agreed? Well, the answer is no, they cannot. Well, these two followers of Jesus could walk together because they were in agreement when it came to the person of the Lord Jesus. They, they were together, and, and isn't it interesting how Jesus can take two opposites, two people who by nature get on each other's nerves, and walk them together. That's kind of interesting, but that, uh, that's what Jesus prayed about in John chapter 17. He said, I don't pray for these alone, but I pray for those who will believe in me through their word that they be not one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So here they were, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're going to afternoon church, by the way. They're going to the afternoon service. It's the, you look and you go, there they are. It's, uh, although the, the scripture you find that uh, before God does a work through the saint or through a church, you find the saint praying, you find the church praying, and it shouldn't be surprising to read in chapter 3 that a miracle is about to take place. There's a pathetic sight at the gate called Beautiful. They came to the crippled man from birth. I can see him laying there, twisted ankles and legs drawn up under him. He never ran, never played sports when he was growing up. He, he never had a day in his life that he uh, had not been a burden or trouble to somebody else. He couldn't walk. He couldn't work. He, he, all he could do was beg for hope uh, and hope that somebody would show pity on him. The Bible says that he was crippled from birth, and don't you know that, the, uh, that his days were long, lonely, and he laid there begging for alms. What a terrible way to go about a day. Alms for the poor. Alms for the poor. Help. Help needed. Just to beg. Day in and day out. See, there was just a nameless, twisted, dirty beggar reaching out his hand, begging for help. Our community is full of people that are crippled by life, though, aren't they? They're crippled by circumstances. You say they're crippled by choices, the choices that we make. You look and you can say there are folks that are crippled by heartbreak and sorrow or crippled by a broken marriage or, or are crippled by a lonely existence. They, they found, they're, they're found at work and they're found at school. They're found in the shadow of, uh, of the steeple of the church. They're all around us. They might be sitting around us and, and are next to us. And you look and you go, there they are. Uh, they're, they're, it doesn't matter the color of their skin, but some speak English, Spanish, Portuguese. I go on and on with the, the, the way people speak. So here's the beggar crying out for money. I can hear him crying out, alms, alms, hoping that somebody would drop a coin in before him on their way into worship. I've often thought about, just ought to be an ornery. Somebody actually picked me out this week and said, you were ornery as a teenager. Can you believe that? Somebody say that about me. 
you were ornery as a teenager. But I said, well, you don't even know me. I'm probably ornery now. But I have often thought, I wonder what it would be like for somebody if we were to park them out here on the corner in O Street on our way to church and they're begging alms. What would be our reaction? See, I don't know about you. I know that my reaction a lot of times as I drive through the city of Columbus, I have a lot of trouble. I see a lot of signs. If you drive through Columbus, you see a lot of signs. People are begging for help. Begging for help. I had one that, that I got to know fairly well. He parked himself in the same corner, and I had to go in there for material, around the area for material. And I'd come in, and I got to the place where, where, where we talked frequently, from my window out to him. And, and we talked frequently, and I know that, that uh, I actually teased him. I got to the place where I knew that he was making more money than I was, and he's standing on the corner. And it really warped my attitude, I have to be honest. Because you look and you go, oh, it just made me, it disgusted me. But you know what? There are some who are in actual need. There are some that are in real need. I've also found that those that are in real need really have a hard time humbling themselves to a place where they're at. That I have found. This man was sitting there at the door. You have to think about him, think about it this way, sitting at the door of the church. He's at the door of the synagogue. Now, what kind of day would it be? How would you like to go to church before Peter and John? Maybe you got there, you were the early bird. And you got to church before them, and you're going about your business inside the, 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 the synagogue, and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And, and then you had that chaos come running in the synagogue. Surely. That guy was the guy that was outside when we came in, remember? That's the guy that's been outside my entire life begging out there. Come on, for real? Can you imagine some of the attitude that was going on in the, in the synagogue that day? How about looking around and you see and he's running around the synagogue. Now, I'm looking at it from that third person, not him. Not Peter and John. I'm looking from that third person that's in the synagogue, looking at it going, is this for real? Because you know what? Most of us, if we're honest, that's kind of the way that we look at things from that third party. Is this going on for real? And we have a way of questioning, did God really do that in his life? See, I could see my question being that way. I'll go ahead and fess up. I'll even question that. I might stand there and really kind of eyeball that thing over and measure him up a bunch. Are you sure about what's going on? Now, I want you to think about it this way then. So that's me in that third person. You look at it in that third person point of view, and you look and you say, there's the, the need, and the need's great. See, in verse number 6, we see that Peter took looked on the dirty face of that beggar and said, I'll give you something better than silver and gold. Silver and gold I don't have. Silver and gold I don't have. Now I thought about, I have about 10 preacher jokes right there about preachers being poor right there. And I said, no, because I heard one of the kids. I pulled one the other day and they said, that's a dad joke. So I'm not giving you the rest. I'm not going down that road today. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he said, rise up and walk. Now, had Peter given him money, 
it only lasted a day or two, right? I mean, at most. What Peter gave him lasted forever. Now, let me show you. Uh, to me, this is something that's amazing. What happens next? What happens to your body is not nearly as important as what happens on the inside. See, what happens on the outside? See, the best advertisement for Jesus is a changed life. See, when a shoemaker makes a pair of shoes, he holds them up and he says, this is a sample of my work. When an automobile manufacturer rides up in, in his new car and he says, this car is a sample of my work. Before COVID, you walked through the mall. You could walk past a place by the name of Chick-fil-A, and they always had a plate, and somebody manning that plate, giving out samples. This is a sample of our food. It's a sample of our food. You see, there it is. When Jesus transforms a life, when he holds us up and he says to this world, this is a sample of my work. Come unto me and I'll make your life over too. See, when Peter, what Peter was saying to this crippled man was, Jesus has changed my life and he can change yours too. That's what witnessing is. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And I'm grateful to be a part of, uh, of a crowd of people that say, you know what, that's the burden that we have is to tell people about Jesus the way of the master training. You look at it and you go, there's the, the training to say, I want to be the kind of, uh, of disciple. I want to be the kind of, uh, of trainer. I want to be a soul winner. To, to be able to walk through and, and to say, I want to be that kind of individual. I want to be that kind of church. And I want to be there. I want to see God move in that kind of way. So back in Acts chapter number 3, look what happens in verses 7 and 9. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted up and immediately... His feet and his ankle bones began to receive strength. So he leaping up. I've always, I, I just, to, to me, he walked and he entered the temple walking, leaping, praising God and all the people saw him walking, praising God. What a difference Jesus makes. That man stood for the first time in his life. He walked for the first time. He leaped for the first time. He praised God for the first time in his life. See, people who have been transformed by Jesus want to go to worship. I can't wait. They want to they sing the praises of God. They want to fellowship with other saints. It's the natural thing to do. They want to go. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, here he is. Do you realize that as a cripple, he couldn't go through the doors of the synagogue? He couldn't go through the gate. He wasn't allowed. Unclean. No way. Until he stood, he could not go through there. Jesus made such a difference in his life that now he could actually, for the first time, go into the synagogue. How exciting! You know, you stop to think about it for a minute and you go, wait a minute. The, the, the excitement that was there. Did you notice that the, the cripple wasn't praising Peter? And I'm sure he was grateful, I'm, I'm, I, but he knew enough to praise God and not Peter. 
Jesus is to have the preeminence in all things. We're going to give him the glory. The church is simply the sign pointing people to Jesus. Well, after he was touched, he went to church and notice what he did. <laughs> I love it. Crippled to standing. Well, let me see. It's time to jump down. Leaping. Leaping. See, I have to pick. She's not in here. I was so hoping she'd stay. I have to pick on Hannah. Hannah's in the wrong body. We have discovered that in recent years. She's in the wrong body. She, she, I, I tease her about it. Brittany's going to tell her to listen to this podcast six months from now, right? Help me, Brittany. I tell her she's in the wrong body all the time. She's got the rhythm that does not relate with this guy. She, she has, she, she, honestly, I remember years ago, I had the privilege to speak at, at Brother Spivey's church. Brother Spivey's church, we were a Baptist church across town from them. And I had the privilege to go in and preach at Brother Spivey's church. It wasn't like our church. Our church was American Baptist, or, well, we were really a Baptist Bible fellowship. But I'll say we were a Southern Baptist church where folks sat and said amen. And once in a while, you got a hand raised. Brother Spivey's church? No. Brother Spivey's church has a little rhythm to them. They got a little rhythm to them. They, uh, you, you didn't preach 20 minutes. Matter of fact, if you preach 20 minutes, you just got started and somebody else is going to come behind you and preach again. That's the kind, I mean, when they showed up for church, they were there for church. If church started at 11 o'clock, they were not at church till 3. That's the way church was. I mean, they, they, they were a high energy crowd, to say it mildly. I love Brother Spivey, I, and, and uh, he had, a, had me come preach one time, and he just told me, he said, it's going to be different, Brother Bruce. It's going to be different, and he says, I want you to just preach, and when you preach, just preach. And he says, and when you're done, he said, back up and don't stick your foot in your mouth. He said, because there'll be a lot going on. I was like, Brother Spivey, and he says, trust me, Brother Bruce. God's got his hand on you, you just preach, and my folks will love you. Man, we had a great time. I've often thought, you know what? That's where Hannah needs to be. <laughs> but I always, I think it's funny. Because I look and I go, wait a second. Could you imagine if somebody came in the back door today, jumping up and down, <laughs> excited? It might kind of warp us a little bit, wouldn't it? Somebody come in the door, jumping up and down, excited. Woo! Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Somebody get their hands up in the air. Woo! All of a sudden you might go, wait a minute. What's wrong with that person? Somebody shout hallelujah in the, at the wrong time in church and everybody go. <gasps> Take a deep breath. Now I realize that's getting out of your comfort zone. But I believe this, that when Jesus saved that man, he was well out of his comfort zone the moment that he stood up for the first time in his life. I believe not only out of his comfort zone, but whew, what a change. 
I can do see him doing a little bit of skip. Look at that. I can do that. That's the first time he'd ever done it. And everybody else is going, hey, no big deal. What's wrong with that guy? I can see him skipping down around, around the synagogue. I can see him both hands in the air. We go on and on. And, and what a change and what a difference physically that had happened in this man and, and what you could see after he was touched by Jesus. What did he do? He went to church. In verse 8, he's leaping. He stood. He walked. He entered the temple with him. Walking, leaping, praising God. You realize that people that have experienced Jesus, they want to go to worship. They want to go to worship. You don't have to beg and plead. They want to worship. They want to sing praises to God. They want fellowship with other believers. So I can imagine him walking into church greeted by an usher. <laughs> I mean, we haven't had ushers in a year. It's really kind of a funny word when I think about that. But I can see the usher greeting him. I can see the greeter saying, Sir, let me help you find a place to sit down for worship. I can hear that that ex-cripple saying to that usher, What do you mean sit down? Isn't there standing room only in the back? I need a place to move. I've been sitting for 40 years. You don't mind? If you don't mind, I think I'm going to stand in the back and leap a little. Jesus said in John 14, 4, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will be a, in him a fountain of water, a springing water, springing up into everlasting life. This man had been the, to the fountain. He was springing up in the temple that day. Let me show you something. When you can suddenly walk and you've never walked before, you want to tell it. You want to tell it. When you've experienced life, not merely existence, you want to tell it. You want to gather with the people of God and worship Him. This man dancing in the, in the, in the temple, I just can't imagine. At the church house. He was leaping, praising God. Now I'm sure... There were some in church that day who saw the, saw the happening and they didn't like it. Can you imagine hearing some of those folks? That cold water committee. We can't have that happening in our church. That's too much emotion. That's too much excitement. We're too dignified for that. Folks, we can become so dignified that we become petrified when Jesus comes into our life we can't contain it. When people walk into our buildings, into our worship, and they see us worshiping, they, they ought to be able to see and tell that we love Jesus. Psalm 40 says, He's put a new song in my heart. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Psalm 40, verse 3. Needless to say, the healing of that crippled man drew a crowd. In verse number 11 of our text, says the lame man which, which was healed held Peter and John, and all the people ran together unto them in the, in the porch that's called Solomon's, greatly wondering. <laughs> oh boy, here we go, amazed. That crowd gave Peter another opportunity to preach. That crowd gave Peter another opportunity to preach. He began the message by telling what happened 
to the beggar. As he preached, he directed every, everybody's attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just going to pull out a few words in the next several verses. And I want you to see the message. Verse 13, God's son and servant. Verse 14, the holy one, the just. Verse 15, the prince of life. Verse 16, his name. 18, the Christ. 19, the Lord. 20, Jesus Christ. 22 and 23, the prophet. 25, the seed of Abraham. And 26, God's son, Jesus. Verse 19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins be blotted out. So that the times uh, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And we read in chapter 4 and verse number 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of men was about 5,000. Another opportunity. Another 5,000. Times of refreshing come from the presence of, of the Lord to those who repent of their sin and turn to Him. We're talking about some people here today that, that are in need. I don't know about you, but I need. I need that encouragement. I need what the Lord does. I, I need. I've been reading in, in, the, in the Old Testament. You folks have given me the challenge of dealing with the feasts and the festivals. I'm having trouble. I'm still back on about three lessons ago. If you guys don't realize it in my study, and I got lost. On one specific day. And I got lost not so much in the study. But I got lost in it because I said Lord I, I need so much help. No wonder what day. It's that day. This to be a day of confession. A day of repentance. A day. You know how hard? Oh man, I can sit down and real quick go, Lord, forgive me. And I can start naming off a few things and in about two minutes I'll be done. You ever sat down and really said, Lord, search me. Search me. Search my attitude. Search, search my, my actions. Lord, this mouth, I know it said some things along the way that it shouldn't have said. Lord, search me. I got stuck back there a few weeks ago. Chase, I have a love-hate relationship with you right now. I love you. He gave me his book. Did he give you one too? He did. You got a love-hate relationship with him too. Yeah. I love it. It's a great book. I can't even remember the name of the book right now. Dangerous Prayers. See, a bunch of you know. I forgot. Dangerous Prayers because I want to hide the thing. It's a great book. I, I, I need to say that. But how it roots around in your life, how God has used it to pray that prayer. I just think it's kind of funny. 
wonder how God's working in the preacher's life. Go ahead and walk through. I get lost three weeks ago on a on a day of repentance and in the feasts and the festivals, and all of a sudden now here's Chase handing me a book. Here's some reading material for you, preacher. When you go out down. I don't like when God gets rooting around in my life and somebody way to be used of God, Chase. <laughs> but you know what? The reality is, is when we get to about down to business with God. When we get alone with him and say, hey, here's me. Here's and we empty and say, here, here it is, Lord. Here's my heart. Here's my life. Change me. We become different people. We become road signs that are pointing the way to Jesus. Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 30 and through 32. He said, repent. Turn from your transgressions so that the iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from all the transgressions which you've committed and get yourselves a new heart and new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live times of refreshing are just a prayer away times of refreshing are just a moment away we just have to be willing to say yes Lord move me move me let's pray together let's stand together with our heads bowed our eyes closed and Let's pray. Father, we're thankful, and I ask that you would move us today. Time.